We are back in the Detroiters Different Studios once again. It is May 31st, 2018. Kari <laughs> Frazier here with, uh, I want to say, like, probably the, the most uh, visited guest. My homie, my brother in arms, Sterling Toes is in full effect. Is Sterling, right? how you feel? <laughs> I'm good. I didn't realize that. That's crazy. Yes, you are like one of the most uh, bounced around podcasters <laughs> of the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. <laughs> if this was the WWF and our, um, like, I guess. I'm, I, I'm Virgil. You, you take DBIC, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's the Virgil. <laughs> He's the Virgil of the Detroit is Different Podcast. <laughs> Virgil. You know, I met him at, um, what was that one time? I met him. He was signing autographs. <laughs> At um, at uh, Gibraltar Trade Center, <laughs> I just happened to be going out there. What was I trying to buy at Gibraltar? Like, probably like a a, a, a a switchblade or some goofy shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Always gotta have switchblade. You yeah. know, and it was crazy. And yeah. he was uh, he was rocking his NWO shirt, Virgil. I believe it, man. That Teddy Biasi had him following him everywhere. And for some reason, like <laughs> brothers still love Teddy Biasi. Like he was. <laughs> money, money, money. He was the ghetto money, champ of the WWE. If it was like a, a like it was like Intercontinental Championship, if it was like a ghetto championship. Man, he was Teddy Biasi would have been a ghetto champion. Pulling up in limousines and all that shit. <laughs> and speaking about pulling up in limousines, we got your cousin in effect. He was one of the first guys to ride in the rap limousines. Uh, Def Jam, um, skateboard culture. Uh, That's true. South by Southwest, so many different layers of uh, when you think of any roots starting with hip hop, tied right back to Detroit through this man right here, Care Worthy. How are you, my friend? Oh man, I'm uh, happy to be here, brother. It's always an honor to kick with you, Mr. Kari. Oh man, so much, so much. It's a it's a existing podcast that I interviewed you maybe like four or five years ago. It's right. in the in the archives <laughs> of when I started this whole podcasting thing. Um, but uh, you, did your, you did your New York takeover run. My New York takeover run, which I need to come back and do some more. As you see, I got more equipment, oh, no more things no to doubt. do, more things to share, more Detroiters to meet in New York. There are, there are, and they're, they're all doing things. That's the work. That's the wonderful thing about Detroit. People don't realize, you know. Of course, for years we always hear New York. If you make it there, you can make it anywhere. Detroit prepares you for everywhere. I, I definitely believe that, as it's a lot of strange stuff that goes on in our city. Hence, Detroit <laughs> is different. Very, very different. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's all types of stuff that uh, you can do from different places. And we're going to start off with uh, your journey in okay. Detroit. Mm -hmm. uh, I generally always start with uh, what gets you here and what gets you there. But you're hip-hop, man. So let's talk a little bit about your love for hip-hop and how were you finding it in Detroit City? In the 80s. <laughs> uh, my love for hip-hop probably started with everybody else's love for hip-hop who, who jumped on bandwagon that was outside of New York, and that was here in the Sugar Hill Gang, actually. Okay. You know, hip-hop, heavy to the heavy, it exploded, and it took everybody. By, so I was at Cass at the time. I'll never forget it. And, you know, it was the talk of the screen. Like, yo, you hear that record? Did you hear that record? Did you hear that record? Uh-huh. And the funny thing about it, and, and I can, I'm, I'm looking at it from the lens of today, because I've had a lot of friends who aren't into hip-hop. Mm -hmm. So what happened at that time, I think immediately there was a schism. There were people who stayed loving R&B, stayed in that lane, little jazz, whatever. And then there was a, a cadre of people, our peers, who started loving hip-hop. 
because I get a lot. Of, like I said, I got a lot of buddies who like. I don't mess with that rap thing, dog. You know, give me they some they knew Big Bank Hank was still in lyrics back then. <laughs> Not that they do. They were just so they were just so entrenched in the R and B piece. Yeah, yeah. They didn't roll with it. So people, more people who came behind us got with it because okay. it was a little bit more pervasive. But, but the song that really, 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 really cemented me in hip hop, probably two songs. Number one was um, Sucker MCs. Mm. It was just so hard, just so mind-blowing that is literally the first rap record i purchased yeah because i was gonna ask <clears throat> the vinyl did you get rapper's delight but you actually bought no i suck had, mc i had to have suck mc i bought that and you know that was the b-side oh that was the b-side to it's like that everybody's like it's like that i'm like no 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 you got to turn your record ago, over a friend of mine asked, asked me to, to say some, some mc, MC rhymes rhyme. so i said this rhyme i'm about to, man that incredible my favorite line, Larry put me inside his Cadillac. The sucker drove off and he never came back. Man, amazing. That did it for me. The other record. Where did you purchase it? Oh, damn. Because that's another thing. Like, when people talk about the accessibility of hip hop, it was harder to find not only, you know, in the few record stores that carry hip hop, it was, you know, it was so boutique. Right. It was, um, what was the it was the record store that was at Northland at the time? I'm trying to remember what record store it was. Okay. It wasn't a big one, but it was a small record store at Northland, kind of where everybody used to go. Uh-huh. And this is before Buy Right opened up, mm-hmm. and you know everybody everybody used to go to Buy Right to buy the records, no matter what it was down there. So I got it there, and the other record was Wizkid. Mm. Play that beat, which is on Tommy Boy Records, and what really killed it, Wizkid came. You know, we were all trying to DJ at the time, and myself. Jeff Mills, who you know as the Wizard, you know we grew up together with Best Buddies, and uh, we were completely enamored with the whole DJ piece, right? So, what, Wiz- what type of tables did you guys have? My mama's stereo table. <laughs> so you, was, you was needle killing. You were needle killing. True story. I had suck MC, and like we used to go, we we all congregated in my house after school, right? So Mills would come over, and I'm like, yo, I got this. I got the I got this the dumb run DMC record. So it's on and I'm like, and so the record's on, I'm like, chicka chicka. And he's like, dude, what are you doing? You're gonna break the record, man. <laughs> so we went to see Wizkid play at up in an arbor. Hmm. That was it. That was it. You know, we were doing a little break dancing so we we did a little break moves on the floor. We were like, mm-hmm. oh my God, a real New York DJ doing a real set. Playing crazy hip hop records, we were we were finished. What was the crowd like then? Because this is a dawn of hip hop. Yeah, at yeah. the time in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. the college towns. Like right. so, what was the crowd like? Was it older people, younger people, nothing but white people? With y'all? <laughs> you know what? Like what, what was happening? It was Which full, really probably could be a hip hop show today. Today, too. exactly. It was full circle. It was it was collegiate white kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's full circles, like boom, boom, boom. It was so a, it was like. Y'all breaking and popping and locking and they hacky sacking. Yeah, basically. Or just standing there and all. They were like, oh, we're not moving. Mm. So we did that. I mean, there was a few black folks there. There was black kids who were on campus. They were there. Uh, some other kids maybe came up from the D and, you know, some black kids around Ann Arbor. Uh-huh. But that was it. It was predominantly white kids from UVM. Okay. All right. So from that show, <clears throat> where were you going at that point? You were just going to buy right and then what else were you uh going on to just learn the technique of it and you came on mm-hmm. with um loving run dmc to oh, this yeah. day oh, i yeah. think that as legends what they said on the stage as far as performance 
cadence, mm-hmm. breath control. They are, <clears throat> they still stand not in an era where you're like, well, you know, at the time it was good. Like, I look at Curtis Blow like, okay, for the time Curtis Blow right, delivered right. well. But his music does not transcend. Not all the way, no. No. No, and it was a little, it was still a little, <laughs> you know, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had Curtis, had it, had it, kinda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Run DMC represented a huge evolution from the, the genesis of this thing to where it is now. They 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 made that leap. Mm-hmm. You know, they made that quantum leap to flows, cadences, subject matter, you know what I mean? Fashion too. Yeah, exactly. Fashion. Very much so. Very yeah, much so. Yeah, Melly Mel and uh the Furious Five, all of them like the when you watch Beat Street. Yeah. Which see this tells you like my age. Cause I like Crest Group more than Beat Street. You know what I'm saying? But right, right, any, right. any like original hip hop is like Crush Groove is horrible compared to B Street. But the gear <laughs> that uh Bam Bada and all you mean as a film? You mean as a film or as a okay? Film, right. film. Yeah, so like Bam Bada yeah. and, and Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five is definitely rocking some if, village if, people looking Exactly. If you well, squint, was, they could be the village people. That was the thing. That was the thing. <laughs> Theatrics. Cowboy you know, was really good. It's like, like a cowboy. Is that the village people? Right. <laughs> <laughs> remember, <gasps> remember those guys, all that stuff came out, you know, post rock and roll, uh-huh. post post glam rock, post disco. Right. So they uh-huh. had those elements. Though but you gotta give them credit because they tried to have showmanship. And that's where it really came from. Uh-huh. Which cats lost, they you know people got well, people. We can argue because I mean, you obviously have not seen my man Future. <laughs> now Future, I think give a solid show, but you know you, we can you talk. Think so? It's it's different arguments that people would say, <laughs> but we we'll get into those layers of the discussion so, later. Yeah, on. Definitely, definitely. So so they came with that, but you know Run DMC. You know if if you want to think about modern hip hop, it kind of starts with them, the mm-hmm. sound of it. Now uh-huh. to to his defense. Melly's still hard. I can't. I can't front on Melly. Yeah, Melly. Yeah. Melly has some stuff with him. If if nothing but subject matter, and the way he put it together, you know, he and um, um, Kaz, they just they 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 had that thing still. Yeah, yeah. Kaz, <clears throat> I think Grandmaster Kaz is still to this day one of the best lyricists. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's why I, every time I listen to <clears throat> Rappers Delight, I'm listening, thinking to myself like, damn, man. This is crazy, <laughs> right? Yeah. Don't forget Modito. Modito too. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt Mo, about it. Mo, yeah. Mo, Mo, Mo and, and Mel, Mel were like yeah, where those. Yeah. They yeah, were the 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 pre lyricists. Right, right. Lyricists. And you can't yeah, believe yeah. and you can't believe they got Millie Vanilli, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Man, complete. I mean, he didn't even he even spelled his name out on the damn record. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like. <laughs> Like damn, you don't want to say uh, the B A N K. I mean, like, <laughs> that's, that's when you, that's when you know you just took it, yeah, verbatim. Like you so, know. so in this journey, you're in love with hip hop. Yes, definitely. Uh, definitely DJing. <clears throat> you go to Texas University. <clears throat> um, hot is all get up in the eighties. Yeah, 80s. yeah. There, there are two. There, there are two temper. There are two seasons in Texas. Hot and hell. Hilarious. <laughs> That's it. Hilarious. That's so real. That's you're real. down there. You mm-hmm. still are loving hip hop. Yeah. I know oh. the story. So, like, I want you to tell a little okay. bit of the story about how did you continue to feed your addiction for this hip hop? <laughs> here's what's funny. It ironically, ironically, rap music, and I do like to make the distinction between rap and hip hop. 
because we've you know we've gotten caught in this whole mm-hmm. relabeling thing and you know rap is the element of hip-hop that we all gravitate to have gravitated to listen to that is what we're hearing on a daily basis hip-hop of course is the umbrella for all the other activities which we we in many ways have given up mm-hmm. graffiti breakdancing beatboxing DJing the like so you know we've allowed other people to kind of start dictating what our terminology is and so forth but I fell in love with rap music period mm-hmm. and rap is what let me and rap in the hip hop genre is what led me ironically to doing this uh, you know growing up in Detroit you still love your dance music I still love it to this day Househead, Tacknell, blah, 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 right? So myself and Jeff Mills were kind of breakdancing at the time and DJing. I had an idea of doing a show that we could, a little tour that we could take around the state, hopefully even the region, with dancers, breakdancers, us DJing, some rappers, boom, right? Pre-Fresh pre-fresh Fest, mm-hmm. basically what it was. And so we started putting it together. We had a group of dancers uh, we have found, matter of fact, one of them uh, rocked with your boy Helene Rasul for quite a while. Uh, Call him Spanky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spanky's nice. Spanky was always nice. Mm-hmm. The the most backspinningest fool I ever saw. <laughs> I mean, he was incredible. So um, we found them, and you know we started trying to put the show together. So we're over we're over the Goodwill, over on Fourth Street, digging for records. Right. Mm-hmm. Come back with a bunch of records. And there was this one, it's very weird, I guess, it's, I guess it's, and I've always been kind of intuitive and tried to follow that. One record on Megatone that just kept calling me. It's a blue record, and you know, in the Megatone case. And I'm like, Megatone is so far from rap music, it's not even funny. Their two biggest acts were Sylvester and the Weather Girls. But as I did with the skateboarding thing, I was always, you know, I had the ideas and I would call up these companies to get sponsorship or promotional material, whatever. So something said call up. Mind you, this is you in high school. This isn't like. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're you're in high school directly contacting corporations. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Soliciting for investment. Mom trying to kill me for blowing up the phone bill. sponsorship for a tour. (laughs) Yeah. While you're in high school and you've never even done a tour, never done the tour, no, never, never. Okay, continue. Uh, and she was, you know, my mother was ready to kill me because I'd be calling California, New which York, was a big was, deal back then. Oh like, yeah, you yeah. can't. <laughs> there, you was, know. there was no calling plan like nah, that. It was, nah. it was straight, straight taxation, straight taxation. Uh huh. So, shout out to my mom for for not killing me, allowing me to get this far with yes, no injuries. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I'm call, I called a megatone. I spoke to this woman named Demetra Mavis. Demetra was highly charged, a little short, Italian woman. Ah, oh, we're great. We're like, you know, we're doing this thing. So she's like, look, we're going to be doing R&B. So we need somebody to be a local representative. I'm like, I'm down. I said, but I'm getting ready to go to Texas to take this scholarship that I got to UT. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, that's fantastic. Even better, we have a we have a big following in Houston. I'll tell you why in a minute. But we have a really big following in Houston. That's fantastic. I'm like I'm done. I'm done. I'm in. Mm-hmm. So we didn't get to get the we didn't get to get the tour off the ground. Uh, Jeff ended up getting the gig at um, WDRQ. It was the GPR, GPR DRQ first when he mm-hmm. became the Wizard. And I went back to Texas, <clears throat> started working at a record store, and doing a promotion for Megaton. Uh, the first song I had was uh, by this cat, Kenny Burke. No, um, yeah, Kenny Burke, called "Can't Keep Holding On." 
Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, I find out why Megaton was so big in Texas. Because Houston has the second largest gay population in the country. So they love Sylvester and they love the Weather Girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it allowed me to meet every DJ in the city because I got, you know, all the record pools. They were kind, they were in touch with them. So I started meeting all the DJs, going to all the clubs. What little germ of hip hop was around, I was there on it. And it went from there. So, you know, I DJed, I um, did promotions, and I worked at a place called Sound Warehouse doing, you know, sales. So um, that fall, before the end of the summer, I started working at a place called Showbiz Pizza Place, which was a direct competition for Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> and I did I did parties. Yeah. I did these team parties. Yeah, Kanye so, West even has a line about <coughs> it in, uh, what's that, um, what's that song? Um, uh, Gold Digger. Really? Be like, you know, and then I got to take your back kids right, to showbiz. Show yes, exactly. Yes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So I was in showbiz with the bad kids. Also, <laughs> shout out a- to the real East Side <laughs> joint, Major Magic, back in the day. <laughs> Major Magic. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, being a kid wow. going to Major Magic, maybe a fighter, oh, wow. a street fighter game. Right. Oh, man. Continue. So um, I, uh, in doing these parties, which is really funny how things work out, I met, uh, she's become like my little sister. Her name is Stephanie Gale. Stephanie is now executive producer on Love and Hip Hop. Mm-hmm. The irony of that, right? Um, so I was doing these every week. Twice, they had two twice a week. So that allowed me to really, really play a lot of rap music. Boom, boom, boom. I, I was able to get all the stuff. I was able to call Cats in New York and say, hey, I'm playing this every week. So I was getting everything from all the indie labels, mm-hmm. whatever majors had stuff. So um, I decided to go ahead and go to. UT, and right when I did, the guy that was my boss there uh, said, hey, I would like to offer you a job, you know, being like the kind of promotional director or whatever. And they were going to pay me like, I don't know, 20, 25K. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, college student, almost, almost college student. Mm-hmm. But some said don't do it. I went ahead and went to UT, you know, did the struggle thing. And um, good thing I did because about uh, two, three months later, my man got busted for coke. <laughs> and it was all over. Mm. So I get to UT. I start DJing on campus. I start DJing all the frat parties. Uh, I meet a friend of mine. She ended up becoming my best friend. Named, uh, now, now mm-hmm. as you're spinning, how much are you mixing hip hop in, even in a set where people are like, yo, play the funk, play the. Oh, man, all the time. Play the R&B. All the time. So it was, it was growing as like, were you curating the experience for bringing hip hop to people? Or was it one of those things where people were like, yo, I want to hear hip hop? Uh, it was a little bit of both. It was more more curating, as you say, uh-huh. than than not, because I had records a lot of guys didn't have. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a little cool side piece. One of the things that got me around the city to all the DJs is I had a record that nobody had, mm. and it was uh, um, Hashim, The Soul, Omnia oh. Fish. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time. You know, a Detroit Shake It, shake it yeah. Club classic. Uh-huh. Well, I got down there with that record. Nobody had it. So everybody was my best friend. Yo, dog, can you come by the club tonight for a minute? Bring the record with you. Uh, <laughs> so, I did like a I did like a Houston club tour with that record. Hey, you gotta get in where you get in. <laughs> exactly. You gotta exactly. get in where you get in. So yeah, I ended up playing a bunch of songs that you know people had never heard. Uh, you know, Boogie Boys, Fly, all kind of stuff that I was able to get hold of. And uh, you know, some stuff started just started to leak onto radio via some mix shows. And there were a couple college shows. People played a lot. There was um, 
Kids Jam on uh, Texas Southern Station. There was a little show on Rice Radio. Uh, there was a little show on uh, University of Houston Station. So people started hearing some things outside of that. And, you know, we, the kids always heard them mm-hmm. first and request them. So that kind of got things kicked off. And this is like, uh, <clears throat> what years is this? This is like um, 83, 84. Okay, so this yeah. is like SMU sort of still like kind of big in football. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallas. Come on, come on. Eric Dickerson was uh, running wild then. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Jerry Curl popping Eric Dickerson. It was, it was Pony Express all day. Okay, okay. Much much to the dismay of UT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had just left. Andre Ware. Yeah, they had just left. The, they had just left the Earl Campbell era, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were getting crushed by SMU. Yep. Okay. So, so as this is breaking, mm-hmm. you're you're bringing in like hip hop, and this is like adolescent hip hop. Yeah, yeah. So it's growing, and you're playing it, and it's breaking. Um. The 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 relationships that really you're growing a, a lot coming from New York mm-hmm. a lot of New York executives are relying on you to help break their records in the South now almost that that we're jumping ahead just a little bit that hadn't happened just yet uh, I was helping out you know because cats still didn't really get Texas a lot of cats didn't know about Texas you know and you call up they're like Texas they, his help, rock music in Texas ain't nothing down there but steers and queers Mm-hmm. I was like, no, you got an audience down here that is very viable, right? So, my first after my first and second semester at UT, uh, I said, I met my boy, and I was like, look, I, the Megatone situation ended. They dissolved their little R&B experiment or whatever, and, and Demetri was going. She's like, hey, it's over. I'm sorry. I'll put you in touch with what I can. <clears throat> so, I got the idea. I said, you know what? I got all these dope records nobody's getting them i said dude we could do promotion for these records and be like the satellite office for all these companies that can't afford a satellite office he was like nah i don't know man i don't think it's gonna work i'm like we can do this no money down do this right mm-hmm. so this is going into the summer after my my freshman year um Run DMC came to town. Back to Run DMC again. They were, I guess, you know, I never thought about it, I guess, but they've been kind of like a, a talisman in my career. So Run DMC was coming to Austin for the first show ever in Austin, right? So I call up my man's cat, Manny Bella, who was head of promotions at Profile. You know, I was like, hey, Manny, Run DMC is going to be here tonight. I want to go to the show. Can you, can you help me out? He's like, all right, you know, stick around. I'll call you back about an hour. Now, mind you, no cell phones then, so... You had to be by the phone mm-hmm. or have a good answer machine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, TikTok, you're pacing, sweating, hand ringing, calls back. He's like, okay, they're at the, I don't know, Super 8 Motel or whatever. He goes, and the rule manager, uh, call him up. His name is Andre Harrell. Man, that's, <laughs> one second. I'm not tripping off to Andre Harrell. I'm, I'm tripping off that day at the Super 8. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hip hop has come a long way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what did Drake say? I can't even stay at the W. <laughs> it has come a long way. <laughs> it was it was rinky dink for real. It was like you know, but think about it. That was it was almost some star time stuff because you were out of town and at a hotel. Uh huh. <laughs> so, call up Jay. We're like, okay, we're gonna be you know, tell us where to be, what to do. They played a spot called Liberty Lunch, which is legendary in Austin. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of an indoor outdoor venue. They had these slats on the roof they could take off to make it open air. So we get there, they're already started, they're playing, you know, we, we get backstage, start stage, whatever, you know, 
Dre was real cool, and they 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 going berserk, man. I mean, Run DMC used to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liberty Lunch had a real bouncy stage, <clears throat> mm-hmm. so the record starts skipping. You know, they jumping around doing the thing. The record skipping. This is how I found out, and a lot of people don't know this: how masterful a DJ Jay was. Mm-hmm. Jay started catching the needle in midair and dropping it on the beat. I we can were, see that. We were like, oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, Jay, to me, <laughs> as much as it, it's funny, because Sterling almost looked like DMC, but as much right, as Man, I've been telling DMC, that since he was a kid, bro. I, as much <laughs> as DMC can spit, and I like him, and I like Run, <clears throat> Jay was the coolest dude in Run DMC. Well, yeah, Jay, well, Jay was the street dude. He was he was the queen street dude in Run DMC. He was he was the hood liaison for real for real mm-hmm. for Run DMC. Not that they didn't have any street cred, but he was that dude. You know they were going to school. They were good guys. And Jay, like the in group A and R, right? Yeah, yeah. Jay, Jay yeah, was he curated Jay, like how, what they would cut. He 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 made the taste and the sensibility. Jay was the hood yeah. for real for real. So, but he was also an incredibly masterful performance DJ man. Mm-hmm. I was like. He, Rest in peace, Jay, man. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So they killed the show, annihilated, they're ready to go, right? They're waiting for the promoter, for the ride, whatever. Drake, I mean, and they complain, like, yo, dog, when we going to get out of here? Uh, they like, Drake, what's up, man? Drake's like, yo, y'all got a car? We're like, yeah. Andre Harrell, Run DMC, Jam Master J, pile into my boy's K car, and we were out. Hilarious. <laughs> That's get, classic. That and that is how That's the company classic. began. We get we, we get them to the hotel. We get them back to Super Eight, and Dre's like, "So yo, y'all gonna be in Houston tomorrow? Because they're playing the Super, uh, the, yeah, the, the Dome, Astrodome, uh-huh. Astrodome, Astrodome, yeah. for the for the Fresh Fest tour." Uh huh. We look at each other. We're like, "Yeah, yeah, we gonna be there. <laughs> I mean, y'all gonna be there. I guess we we shall be there too. We will Jay. be there." And you know, the minute they left, we got in the car. We're like, ah. And my man's like, guess what? He's like, he's like, I'm in, I'm in. We can do this promotion thing. It's on. <laughs> I, I bet he was. <laughs> and and it's been on ever since. And my my boy, I'm talking about his name is Ward White. Ward is actually now and has been for old career. Eric Badu is attorney and runs for management too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay now, and Badu Texas vibe that <clears throat> makes sense from Dallas. Now, in that field mm-hmm. of uh, bringing that music down. To Texas, because Texas is a huge state. Yes, like yes. even even that drive from Austin to Houston, four hours. You know, three like three and a half hours. I mean, almost every place, almost from one city, major city to the next major city in Texas, is about four hours. Of course, being on the East Coast, four hours. I can go to Boston. I can go to D.C. I can go to Philly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> other other states. In Texas, you're still in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So to go back to what you said earlier, but after that happened, we just we, we created Hot Wax Promotions and Marketing. And that's when we really started getting to these companies and saying, hey, we can be your dudes here, and this is why you should mess with Texas because there's so many people, there's so much money. Theoretically, you could go gold in Texas alone if you did the right thing. You know what I mean? And they were like, really? We, we had no idea. And they started to see things happen. We made alliances with the major distributors there. Uh, Big State and Jim were the two biggest ones, and we had relationships with them. And it started happening from there. 
Sterling. Yeah. I don't know what questions you got. But <laughs> step in, Sterling. No, I, I start off by saying too. So, uh, I remember when this was happening. I remember coming to his place because we went <clears> one time because we used to go to Houston every summer mm-hmm. and right. stay with our aunt. So, mm-hmm. for those who don't know me, me and this guy are first cousins. Mm-hmm. So I remember going to Austin and like just records being everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> and um you know, so like those early records was like I remember it was was uh Ice T, right? Oh, yeah. That's a Sonic. hmm mm-hmm. Uh I wanna say Schoolie D too, right? We mm-hmm. did some stuff with Schoolie, well not as extensively as with everybody else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Schoolie. that's Sonic too. Oh right? Stet was huge. Getting landing Tommy Boy was a big deal for us. They were one of our bigger major accounts so we did everything on Tommy Boy for quite a while mm-hmm. so that was that was of course that was Stetsa we did De La you know Tifa we did um, there was somebody else um, that was before before then another big one for us was Sleeping Bag yeah 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 so it was yeah. all Medtronic's Just Ice yeah, we, we loved just like EPMD was sleeping back too, right? Yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. The, that was like the end of kind of like towards the end of our relationship. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> we did all the all the like all the Medtronic, uh-huh. Steezo, all that all that business. So, what was the amount of time between that thing sort of happening and then you ending up in New York? Uh, we started Hot Wax um, summer of '85. Mm-hmm. Yeah, summer of '85, um, like May, May of '80, but. Uh, Honestly, like a week ago, the 26th of May, pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, 1985. Um, and we rolled, rocked out for f- about five years before I made It was New five York years? Move. Wow. Yeah, mm. yeah. Five years before I made now, the work move. Now, you know what's unique? During those five years, hip-hop was transitioning, and it was becoming such... It was becoming a very major pop culture like entity during oh, yeah, that five yeah. years as far as rap. In hip hop, like I guess that really was the transition, eighty five to ninety, that transition yeah, was, of like when you say that you know hip hop was all these elements and then just rap started becoming more and more the forefront. Well, you know the watershed, the watershed year was probably eighty seven, eighty eight, because mm-hmm. you know all a ton these albums finally start coming out uh-huh. in eighty eight, you know, and it was incredible. Uh, you know, another our other two biggest watershed clients were. Um, Cold Chillin' and Def Jam. Mm-hmm. And then when Uptown started, because of the relationship we had with Andre from that first situation, uh, you know, he called us up. He's like, hey, am I, I'm about to do this label. I got these acts. So that brought us, you know, Heavy D and I'll be sure. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like I say it's all relationships. So from the relationship position, we get, we're able to get that. And, um, it, you know, it, it changed everything. You know, the, the, the Cold Chillin' stuff. Big Daddy Kane, Biz Marquis, Cool G Rap, Roxanne Shante, um, MC Craig Shan, G, Craig Shan, G, yeah. Shan, you know, Mass the, the Juice Crew, all this stuff, yeah. and then of course the, the Def Jam relationship, you know, which came by via uh, meeting Russell at a conference, and you know, I didn't, I didn't get the full go away, can you bother me? I didn't get that, but he talked, chatted for me, and he's like, well, look, talk to my man Bill Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who know, you know, on the industry, Bill's not necessarily the overground star, but in the industry, very well respected, very well known. Because of Bill, Public Enemy was on Def Jam. Bill was actually a, a member of the Bomb Squad. Mm-hmm. Bill, matter of fact, if you listen, first three or four albums, Bill played guitar on all those albums. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, actually the bomb squad consisted of Chuck, Bill, Eric Sadler, Hank Shockley. <clears throat> so that that's him playing the riff, I'm guessing, on Sophisticated Bitch. Oh, that was him? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> and do you, rec- do you recognize that riff? <laughs> Isn't that that's uh damn the one come I on, think come about on. that's uh is that Run DMC's uh Damn slipping. It's gonna kill you when I tell you. What is it? It is uh heat wave groove line. Damn. Dan 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 Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I watched that on Sun. It's like my man, the lead singer from uh, Heat Wave, when he was like dancing around in the groove line. <laughs> I was like, damn boy, <laughs> that's some that's some major funk right there. That's that yeah, yeah, velvet, velvet paint, velvet painted artwork. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a hell of funk a singer. Funk right though. there. He was a hell yeah, of a singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Bill was my liaison. And that's how we started doing promotion for them. You know, we did independent work for them. And so that led, you know, they got us Slick Rick, LL, PE, um, you know, everything. Everything they put out for four years, five years. uh, Until what happened in 89, they put together their first national staff and they hired me to be their Southwest to Midwest regional. So I was actually the first Def Jam regional in Detroit ever. Mm. Okay, now when you say Midwest <clears throat> Regional, because yes. at this point you were in the Southwest for so long doing this, mm-hmm. how did you go about approaching the Midwest and what did they define that as? Was that Chicago? Was that Indianapolis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I, I, st- I was still living in Texas. I just jumped on a plane. Uh, I did Michigan. I did. I didn't do Ohio. I did Michigan, Illinois, Minnesota. Um. Missouri, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, you know. Mm. And I was already, you know, I'd already had the relationships in Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma anyway, so. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, those are those are my areas. <clears throat> uh, a lot of phone calling, of course, but then, you know, I jump on the plane and go see these areas. Uh, matter of fact, my first, one of my first duties as a regional was um, I did a thing called the, uh, the Wing Cookout in St. Louis with third base <laughs> and it was third Hilarious. base it was third base and uh, Digital Underground and it was Digital's first show outside of California ever mm. did they kill it? they killed it they, well as much did as they anybody come with the, did they come with the whole band? they did everything they did everybody Pac, uh-huh. didn't, Pac didn't make that show though uh huh I, I don't think he made that show if I recall but you know everybody killed as they much as they could in, in 105 degree heat and 100% Damn. humidity Damn. Hold up. In a park full of brothers and sisters cooking wings on the party. <laughs> it was one of the hottest places I've ever been in my life. All right, so real, <laughs> so real quick. All right, so what what month did the Cactus album drop? Oh, wow. So you hit me with a month. Ah, oh, jeez. What, what's that? It, it, so the reason I ask you this, because I, I remember, so like, because they were like one of the first 
acts that you really like had a lot to do with, right? At Dev Jail, right? No, you know when you I, were got the job. I, oh, when after I got the job. Yeah, yeah, Before yeah. that, before that, I, I had a lot with with public enemy. I mean, Chuck and I are still cool. Yeah, but after day, you got you know. the job, though, right, right. So I remember because we were in Houston because yeah, yeah, we would go to, so. we would go to Houston every year, and so I remember this was before the Cactus album dropped, mm-hmm. and Kira was like, "I want to play something for you." Uh-huh. And, and so he plays it, and I'm like, I'm thinking like, this is this is dope as hell. Like that album was incredible. It was, it was good and, stuff. and Kira was like, do you notice anything? I'm like, what? He was like, do you notice anything? I'm like, about what? He was like, listen, really listen to him. I'm like, what? <laughs> he's like, they're white. I'm like, they're white. <laughs> yeah, the Beastie Boys definitely sounded white. Yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> Did not sound like the Beastie Boys. But even the Beastie Boys had like white culture. Like they talking about drinking beer and partying. Well, early Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you know the Beastie Boys came out of the whole New York punk scene too. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But 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 Search and Pete really came out of like just some New York, you know, yeah. ball. Hanging out with rapper dudes type thing, I mean, I was really really cool with those cats for quite a while. You know, we said we we would talk on the phone like a lot. Okay, so why did they give you the gas face on the uh, <laughs> on the remix? That was KMD. You know, KMD. They were like little bratty kids, man. Uh, for people was, that don't know, that's actually MF Doom now. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> exactly. It was that it was MF Doom. And his, his brother, Sub Rock, rest in peace, you know, I, 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 that, that always yeah, just makes me so kept him at the Super 8. <laughs> that, that when y'all was down at the uh, Holiday Inn. <laughs> so, yeah, they were, always, they were always some, you know, you know how little kid, you know how the pesky little kid is, always uh-huh. trying to buck up. That was them. Uh-huh. That was definitely them. <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. All right, so this whole... This whole thing of getting in New York and mm-hmm. representing Def Jam from the Midwest and Southwest, so much was new even in hip hop. The way that deals were being broken, right. uh, distribution, the options, uh, but between Polygram and CBS and everything that was still happening mm-hmm. with Rush Management, uh, kind of some of the overlaps of Def Jam with Rush Management right. was touching on all of hip hop. Right. A lot of people thought acts were on Def Jam because they were with Rush. Uh-huh. But, you know, it was, of course, it was a separate entity. Uh-huh. Though, you know, Russell owned Rush, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there were, there were like, like, even like now, you know, they were, even, say, in Detroit, there were very few points of guidance on the hip-hop plane at the time. So, you know, Rush got all the business. You know, and, 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 and people, never, people didn't realize that Run DMC, though was, you know, it was Russell's brother, how does that, they were never on, they were never on Def Jam. Mm-hmm. Their whole career was on profile. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't know that. Yeah, they they just made the assumption. Yeah, until you get like the Def Jam's greatest hits, and you like, <laughs> right, right. Where's like, my jam? Where's, where's Sucker MCs at? <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, it's like starting with nothing but LL Cool J. Right. Yep, and you know, profile was, yeah. profile was you know uh, part of a, a handful of some of those small labels that you know just did hip hop stuff, and we we never we never worked for profile. Wanted to because you know some of the artists they had, of course, special ed, run the whole nine. But we never—that was one we never got. Hmm. There's, a, there's a few that got away from us. We never did Tough City. We never did. Um, we did a little bit for Next Plateau. Uh, who else was out there that was hot that we didn't get to touch? I mean, proudly, we had a good portion 
67 percent of what about fourth and broadway too never really did get to do fourth and broadway Zoe, my man over there cooking his olives we are still cool to this day love mm-hmm. cookie but we never got to do any really fourth and broadway stuff mm-hmm. try we try now let's also <clears throat> talk about this is when hip-hop had like it, it was running parallel with the traditional model of a lot of other labels with A&R's, artist development, things mm-hmm. are so different now in Very the independent different. landscape. Right. So right. along this way, what do you think worked best then? And what do you think will work better like of today's model? Like what do you think if you could like pick <clears throat> and choose? Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, I would have kept this from back in the day. I'd have probably changed this from back in the day. Well, funny thing about it, there is in a strange way still a parallel because the thing that is fueling major labels now, the ones that still exist, was the thing that fueled major label then major labels then and that was the influx of independent material. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had the the best material on major labels back in the day started coming from these small independent labels, just like now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming from uh, 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 cash money or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, uh, what's one of these little label things? It's, it's, it's coming from all these type of type of places, and mm-hmm. it's not being really developed by the majors. And that's what happened at that time. So who were some of those independent labels back then that were doing things independent? All I really knew about was what Ruthless was doing and what Luke was doing. But who else was independent at the time in that late 80s? They said it was it was it was sleeping bad. It was Tommy Boy, it was Zakia that gave them you know Fourth and Broadway, Eric B and Rakim, it was B Boy Records, it was um, um trying to remember, uh, like, like First Choice Records. It was um I'm trying to remember the label that uh, First Priority. Yeah, First Priority Records. Mm-hmm. It was it was McCola out of California with the Dr. Dre stuff. Mm-hmm. You know all that and all that West all the West Coast sounds were coming out of McCola, which was primarily a distribution system. Mm-hmm. A distribution company, but yeah. they did their own little label. Nervous had some hip hop records. Nervous was a bit later though. They weren't doing the hip hop thing fully. This is um, like there's another label I'm, I'm forgetting the name of, but yeah, it was a bunch of the little indies, man, that that supplied all the major acts. It was Cold Chilling, you know, and the the major labels came and did deals with these guys because they they didn't know how first to find it, secondly how to develop it. So they threw money at folks who could do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And now once you got in the label, um, there was some development because they did have those mechanisms in place already. And there were some artists who benefited from it, but it did not help every single artist. Mm-hmm. A lot of people fell through the cracks. Like Kane benefited, benefited from some more development at, at Warner Brothers. Um, Diamond Shell didn't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just that, it was that kind of situation because... That's uh, Biz Marquis' little brother. Actually, right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Biz Biz benefited from some development because he had he had records that turned into hits. Mm-hmm. You know, people people don't understand. There's another layer of politics once you're in the label. I used to tell people all the time. You know, they I got to get a deal. I'm like, you know what? Getting a deal is only half the battle. Because once you get a deal, there's an entirely different battle to get on the shelf and sell. And that's, okay. that's all internal politics. And you can stall and die inside and never be heard from. Now, <clears throat> this is a discussion I get into a lot about the machine and it existing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Generally, when I say the machine, meaning that it's a lot of people involved with, as you say, getting on the shelf or getting the 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 corporate backing. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of entities involved in that. I still argue that even today, if the music, the the music that comes up when you open up Apple's iTunes downloadable player, if you see some music on that page. It's probably involved hundreds of people in the mix, like getting points and percentages or like wielding mm-hmm. influence. Mm-hmm. It's not just, ah, oh, man, this is just a good guy with good music. I wish it was. Uh, the beauty about today's market is that that can't happen where mm-hmm. before it really couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. You can have a good guy with good music who gets it out there and, you know, people buy it from their site or they buy it from Bandcamp or whatever else. And you still kind of avoid the politics as heavily as it may be for an overground artist, an iTunes situation, but the politics are there. You know, it, it takes it takes some navigation. You know, there's a mu- there's as much lobbying that goes on within a label as in the, in Washington, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, because you know you got to, hopefully the publicist likes you, hopefully the the marketing director likes you, hopefully the 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 uh, prod you know the product manager likes you, so people are pushing you and ushering you through the system at various levels. And, you know, hopefully nothing happens where somebody pisses somebody off and then, like, later for them, it installs. Or mm-hmm. hopefully somebody who was heralding your project doesn't get fired. And that's what I was going to say, too, because sometimes <coughs> it ain't even necessarily <coughs> like as much as, you know, you come in, it's like a football coach. Yeah, you know, when right. you're, like, in the coaching tree. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I could be a great assistant coach, but then the head right. coach leaves. Right. It's rare that I'm going to stay on. You're, you're toast. Uh, so and he's going to come in with his own regime of people. Yes. And so all all the players that might have been liked by this coach, yes, may not get liked by the other coach. Yes, and it could be one of those <clears throat> things where I think a lot of artists end up in this limbo because the machine. When yes. I say that, it's it's lawyers, it's agents, mm-hmm. it's publicists. I mean, the question that I asked at the uh, at the forum that Piper Carter just did was specific to Nina, like, <laughs> please name the difference between even a tour manager yeah, yeah, you're right. and a road manager. And if these people have <clears> relationships, <throat> especially someone such as yourself, like, when you were young and you were talented, mm-hmm. because you were young and you were talented, you were always getting approached and poached to possibly switch teams where some people you may have been able to bring with you, right. some people you right. may not have been able to bring with you. Right, exactly, exactly. And, and your question was very much on point. And I, because of the form it was, I really wanted to jump in and, and, and iterate something that, um, and I, I was going to have to momentarily throw each one of them under the bus. Because basically, your girl, the publicist, mm-hmm. Fatima, I think it was her name, yep. said that, uh, you know, she gave this whole spiel about, oh, you know, if you send out emails to people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. delete you, this and that. And I'm like, that's kind of whack. In a way, you know, because first of all, to me, though publicists are necessary, their position in the game has become way too exalted. <laughs> They've gotten way overblown from, you know, TV shows and, or, you know, this is my publicist. I need a PR. But I mean, it's kind of like, uh, what do they call them? Um, the uh, wardrobe. Uh, <laughs> Right, right, the stylist, the stylist, exactly. The stylist. So, like, the the idea, and even when people come to me and say, like, you know, I'm a brand, and you know I have my marketing firm, and I tell people that 
Okay, it's tough to have a brand if it doesn't exist. Coca-Cola needs branding because it's already existing and it's in people's minds, so it may need to brand. You may need to first exist with a brand that is an entity. Mm -hmm. I tell most young artists this too. Be known as a person, and I'm one of these people that where I wish I could backtrack. I'm known as a rapper, but I'm not known as a rapper with a song. It's right, so much easier right. to function in this in this game of music if people know you as, okay, I know the song he has. Shout out my man K-John for On the Ocean and partnering with that yeah, whole yeah. Uh, stepping, uh, hustling, and ballrooming mm -hmm, culture mm -hmm. and, and having... A, something to exist to carry him through with a song and working a record for years yeah. because as an independent you can work a record for six seven years right let's book rob bass to do it takes two <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me jump on what you said for a second you're not you're much nicer about it i tell people you don't have a brand you're not a brand you may never be a brand but yeah. that's okay yeah because you don't have to be a brand to mm -hmm. be successful or to make money Mm -hmm. Brands come about as a natural progression of a number of activities. To me, brands come about by by producing or creating a quality product or service over a given period of time. But it, it takes you so know, long. <clears throat> like I can put the golden arches up, and we know what it is. It's but a if symbol. I have it's a, a symbol of the shop, brand. I can't just put my logo up. I need to tell you what type of sandwiches I sell. No doubt. How much it costs and where I'm at and so you, need you to can do it, buy it. You need to do it for a while. And yes. then you can become a brand. Yes. I used to work for When I was in high school, I worked for Target. Uh-huh. I call up here at home. Nobody knew what Target was. Target mm -hmm. was in two places, Minnesota where they started mm -hmm. and Texas. That was it. It was a company that sold pretty good stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like a like a better Kmart or whatever, somewhere between Kmart and JCPenney's. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a brand. Now that it's blown up, you recognize that bullseye. Brand, yeah. You recognize it. It means something. But it took 15, 20 years or so to do that. Yeah. So in 9 out of 10 times, a singular person is not going to be a brand. No. Because they don't have that kind of output. Yeah, like, they don't have that kind of consistency. Hugh Hefner right. is a brand. Michael but Jackson, it took, brand. It took, Prince, brand. Yeah, it took them decades. Yeah. To but, find, like, I can show a silhouette of, okay, here's a, a great silhouette of a person. Um Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock, yes. Is a brand. But it took, like, what, 30 years of him making suspense films? But it took, but no, no, not just him. He made 20, 30 years of making great movies. They weren't half ass. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there is a difference. There is a difference. But you got but you to me rewind to the forum we read yeah, last man, week. Go, go, go. Because I think this information is important, hopefully, to your listeners, because I'm sure a lot of them are going to be, like, you know, on the rise, emerging talent. It, it kind of bothered me that she told people not to to just send the stuff out widely, widely. But you you know, as as somebody who's new trying to break in, you don't have the contacts. You can't afford a sniper's approach to things. You've got to go shotgun, scatter shot. It's going to hit some people. Some people's not going to hit. But that's how you get some traction. You know, I would never have had any success doing promotion if I was just on some. Hit you there, hit you there. One. Right. Yeah. I've got to go put it out there. Everybody's not going to like what I've got. But to tell me not to send it out widely is, is foolish. You know? And to say, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, you know, if you send it to me, just whatever, it's going to go in the circular file. Well, guess what? What might you be missing out on? You know, 
what incredible talent are you missing out on? So are you are you strictly are you about some some talent or are you strictly about who can pay me? I think it's a mix of both. Sometimes it, it does become who can pay me, but for that person listening, uh, even with what I do with Detroit is different. As as I've been doing this for years, and it's funny the the response I get, but it's brick by brick. Mm-hmm. You're building brick by brick. Right. And when I say that, meaning that you're starting, if you build the tallest wall you can, the bottom layer will look horrible. But the, 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 the top taller layer. you get, you're gonna lay it better. Right. Meaning that the consistency <clears throat> is what a lot of people look for. If I hit you off with a CD every time I see you, then it's going to get to a point where the first time you may be like, I ain't trying to hear this shit. Right. Then the second time you're like, I, you again. Right. By the 25th time, if I, you keep coming to me, I'm going to say, damn, even if this guy is horrible, mm-hmm. his commitment and he's running around the lap so hard. Right. Right. That I want to work with this guy. Right. But to, but to discourage somebody from the beginning and say, you don't have an EPK, you don't have, who's got a freaking EPK when you're just jumping off? That is what real promotional people, real publicists and stuff do. They guide you into that lane, into that mm-hmm. arena. They help you put together a press kit. They help you put together a look, a flow, whatever. You know what I mean? But I, I would even argue this, too, <clears throat> just with uh, some of the relationships I have, which relationships matter most. But they also matter within the relationship to the relationship because it's a lot of artists that I'm not I could work with a lot of artists but then there's certain artists where I really can't work with them because the people I know and the networks I have mm-hmm. aren't the best networks for those types of artists so sometimes as fun. a publicist you know it when last time I hired somebody to make a press release for me I'm like look I'll pay you whatever you want I can write the press release I'm not paying you for the press release. Mm-hmm. I'm paying you for the placement. You know, so it's like, do you have relationships right. where it right. can be placed? And if you don't have the placement relationship, I don't want to pay for the press release. Exactly. And, you know, but I said, but it just bothered me to discourage because most of the people there were on the come up. Oh, you most know, definitely. D- don't, don't discourage the people from like, hey, oh, man, I can't do this. I don't have this. I don't have that or whatever. That's not what it's about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You you got to say, hey, you got to get out there. You know, everybody talks about grinding. That's grinding. Getting out there and being somebody's face. Getting out there, you know, of course, these days you have the digital age, so you can send stuff via email or whatever. That's grinding. You know, but to say don't do it because I'm going to blow you off and it's going to be meaningless and insignificant to me was bothersome. Now, I do have to say this, too, even from the artist's perspective. Being sincere and building your own voice within your own music becomes difficult, too, because the same way that people are, I like what you said, the sniper approach, a lot of the artists are going with the sniper approach of saying, like, wow, this is a hit song on the radio now, you know, so let me recreate this hit song. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) So, like, I would say to the artists the same thing. Do what you do creatively. Right. Don't, you know, in right. the most frustrating thing, most times I sit down and I talk to artists. I was talking to, as funny as it was, the, the ice cream shop on uh, Woodward and Seven Mile. <laughs> okay. It used to be a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and the girl walked in and, and, and they were just so funny. I was like, man, I'll pay for your ice cream. And she was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'll be rapping it, you know. And I was mm-hmm. like, what's your music about? She's like, well, you know, I rap about whatever just because. And I'm like, what is your music about? You know, but I be, and I'm like, what? is your music about 
well, I think I got to talk about, like, money, and then I got to talk <laughs> about, you know, I want to be, like, the female version of Drake, and I'm like, what is your music about? Right, right. And those, and I feel like the young guys now that have figured it out, they win. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you look at, I feel like Wiz Khalifa is a great example. You talk about branding, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you think of something very specific when you think of you think about weed. You think about <laughs> right, just right. chilling, just having a good time, like hitting the beach or whatever. You think of currency. I think of Amber Rose. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She she became part of it. Yeah, I mean, you think about currency. You think about chicks, Mm -hmm. sneakers, and and lowriders. Right, right, right. Right? And you can't name five of them songs, but they create an aesthetic that they have like devout fans that love whatever the hell they do. Cypress Hill, and I really only like their first album. Yeah. Okay. But they have a brand yeah. into like that like We lowriders, right gang culture, right tattoos. Yeah, that was them. Yeah. That's what sold the chronic. It right. was like it right. was like here's a piece of California lifestyle for, yeah. Yeah, for you kid in Wichita. Completely. You know, never completely. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it really you, can, you can hear this movie daily. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. the chronic definitely doesn't feel like what Andre Young's life is, but it seemed like the culmination of what the dog pound and Andre Young together could do. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And DOC in the mix too. Like it felt experiential. Mm-hmm. Another another unsung Texas cat DOC. Yeah. Oh man, DOC. It, we <laughs> always debate like if it wasn't for that car crash, it, that car there, crash there'd be changed, no Snoop. There would be no Snoop. Changed bottom line. the course of hip hop. It did. Because if he would have been the lead artist on Death Row. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and here's another thing that a lot of people don't know. His first album, he didn't even curse. But here's the thing. Mm. He would not have been the lead artist on Death Row. He was on Atlantic already. And that's the time I got to New York. There was a full-blown plan for DLC. Mm. They were devastated when they had... The guy that was doing what I was doing, he came on to do... After I did Electra, he, he, he was simultaneously named uh, Daryl Musgrove. Daryl passed, unfortunately. But Daryl and the rest of the crew was devastated when the accident happened because they were prepared to take this kid someplace else you know so there might have there may not have been a death row there definitely mm. would not have been a snoop and on and on and on it'd have been like you know counter earth <laughs> yeah I, I think that moment in hip-hop it's a couple moments in hip-hop that just change the course of hip-hop history that's definitely one of them it even is. more it so is. than the the murder of tupac and biggie Yes, yeah, and subtly so, because people don't think about it because, you know what I mean, they didn't really examine where it was going, but DLC at the time was huge mm-hmm. and, and hadn't become as huge as he was going to become just from that just from that first album. Mm-hmm. It, it's massive if you think about it. Yeah. yeah. So I know we're coming to a close, man, and like most times, I can talk to you for hours, Kier. You drop a lot of science. You know, my own, like, we, we even bicker about, like, where I should be going with my career and everything. <laughs> I'm I'm so focused into, like, marketing and my own, like, right, right. you know, just running that full lap with well, music. You know, I, 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 look, I respect the enterprise. I respect the hustle. Whichever mm-hmm. way it goes for you, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're a talented, intelligent cat. Whatever's going to happen is going to work out. But mm-hmm. we got we to gotta talk about Detroit some while I'm here. Let's talk a you little know, bit about Detroit, that. Detroit is different yeah. for a reason. What? 
what are you doing now in your journey in Detroit before internationally traveling God knows where doing music and business and, and meeting with people that you know were at the royal wedding two weeks ago <laughs> no, and look, I wasn't probably, invited unfortunately probably the, the you probably knew like like one you're like one Kevin Bacon away from yeah, right? designing the dress or something like yeah yeah that's my homeboy back in the day that's my man <laughs> yeah, yeah, we used to have milkshakes together yeah exactly <laughs> so what's happening with you in Detroit um, you know I've been gone for years uh, I've been in New York for quite a while and over the years I've come back and forth to Detroit and have always wanted to really connect and do something with some talent here but there was always like a, a weird resistance you know it's almost like when you got with a cat and like hey we can do this all of a sudden they thought they hit lotto and I was supposed to just, just you know cash out on them like yo it's not how it works that is the artist mentality. <laughs> just, just as an I, artist, that's exactly what you think. Just as an example, I'm going to give you one quick story. There's a brother here, prominent prominent producer. After, you know, trying to set I up... I already feel like I know him. Yeah, you probably do. Probably after setting up various meetings of which he had to change the meeting to accommodate him. I'm like, dude, I'm... You know, it's... I'll do it anyway. Though it shouldn't work that way, I'm, I'm going to come to where you are. So, I, you know, we, we talk... He has a project that he just put out, right? Packaged project. So I'm like, what do, we, what do you want to do? Who do you want to work with, right? First name comes out of his mouth. He said, Roy Ayers. I'm like, Uncle Roy? That's my man, right? I mean, for real, for real. I call him Uncle Roy. So <laughs> I call Roy up. I tell him about the kid. Uh, I'm like, this, that, and the third. He's like, all right, send me something. You know, I might like it. We could possibly do something. Mm-hmm. Get back to him. And he actually hems and haws about giving me the package CD. Well, I can burn you one. I'm like, dude, this is Royer's. You can't, you can't unass a CD for the guy you say you want to work with the most. I definitely feel like I know who this is now. That summed it up. <laughs> <clears throat> but you know, <laughs> that kind of foolishness, foolishness. has been has been the, the Detroit way for way too long. So now, you know, 2018, gentrification is sweeping the country. I watched it happen in Austin, happen in Brooklyn, happen in Harlem. It's going down here. Everybody's in a panic. Now it's just like, what can we do? What can we do? You know, we got to work together, which is always the mantra, always a chant when I come. We got to work together, but cats never do. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, maybe people are finally ready to hear some things and do some things. And, the, and the, you know, without question the Detroit talent pool is absurd always mm-hmm. you know there are more talented cats within a square mile here than you can find in most states throughout yeah, the whole state I, I think me and Sterling are amazing at rapping especially Sterling Sterling needs to rap more no doubt no <laughs> I doubt need to rap more too <laughs> Dude, I, I, Sterling I, needs to rap more if Sterling <laughs> both of y'all just need to get get off the pot and just come up with a project <laughs> <the> together <laughs> uh, come with a project we, together we actually are we actually we are actually crafting you know the idea when we drop this a, project it's gonna little, be dope as hell look, do a little double album you know, on two two songs on each album with that, with both mur- of you, race whatever. Murder, race murder, whatever. whatever. You said race murder. You know they got the triple album. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like both of them got solos and they got the double. Right, right. <laughs> so so that's what you have. But anyway, so 
And I'm like, look, maybe something can happen this go around. So I hadn't, I hadn't been back home in like about two years. So you know, I had to come see my mom, of course. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know what? I want to, I want to be entrenched in the crib and not miss out like I did in Austin or missed out in Brooklyn, whatever. Because I live there. Those aren't my places. This, if I miss out connecting here, I'm gonna be mad because it's the hometown. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff happening. There have been a couple of really cool meetings and so forth. But what I see is still missing is the infrastructure. You know, mm-hmm. there are no labels here, mm-hmm. even though there are not a lot of labels, period. There are a few labels, but nothing on the hip-hop tip. I don't count, I don't count no, Shady as being... <laughs> right, 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 right. There are no, you know, there's no support systems, management, agents, blah, blah, blah. Mm-mm. No, There are no, you know, serious media here regarding regarding hip-hop so i used to do an, a, a, a monthly thing in new york years ago called the managers alliance which was set up for black entertainment managers business managers um attorneys everybody behind the scenes and each month we would have a different topic focused on entertainment for people to learn from and we would bring in people who were best in the field black white whatever but we had them on the dais to have really cleared, open discussion about what was current, best practices, the whole nine. It was fantastic. And we used to do it at the Recording Academy offices. So, like I said, it's been years since we've done it, and uh, people have brought it up over a period of time, like, hey, you should bring it back, you should do it again. And I was like, you know, no time or whatever. And I thought about it. This could be a very good thing for some place where it has an impact. So I, I want to do it here. So I'm going to have a, a first kind of mixer here in about a week or so just to kind of set the table for it and do it probably on a bi-monthly basis until maybe it warrants it more. Okay. But, you know, I think the biggest thing that we're lacking, you know, is the information for the people who want to ha- or have the ability to create the infrastructure. You know, everybody has this feeling or mentality that we got to leave. People always complain that we got to leave or people always leave. Well, that doesn't have to happen. You know, people can stay. Especially in the internet age. Exactly, exactly. You know. You know, that's one of the, funny, I've gotten this conversation earlier today. One of the biggest issues I have with Motown Records, right? Mm -hmm. Motown, of course, left Detroit years ago. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's trying to, who's taken the helm since then, and I've known about three of them. I mean, I've known them directly and personally. You know, everybody has the same, same shtick. Yeah, y'all want to bring back Motown, the way it was, the glory. You can't do that because without Detroiters, right? Right, right. <laughs> they, were, they, they were never anybody from Detroit, yeah. so you never knew the aesthetic <laughs> that brought about Motown. You never knew the philosophy, the mentality, the grind that brought about Motown. Mm-hmm. So how can you recreate it? If you're from Uptown in New York, you don't know jack about Motown. Well, you know, if you're from Blase Splee, the Midwest or the West Coast. You know, there was there was a there was a thing that there's a thing that goes on in Detroit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That breeded that whole aesthetic, that breeded that sound, that breeded those performance, at you know those performances, that drive. Because we all sat here in Detroit, thinking every place else is better. So we like, I gotta work harder. I gotta work out with everybody else to hopefully be as good when I get to New York. Or I get to L.A. And you get there, you're like, I'm annihilating these cats. Mm. You know what I mean? 
It's like that's, every yeah superstar basketball player from a little town, <laughs> right? You know. And that's why every band touring the country, black, white, or otherwise, typically has somebody from Detroit in the band, if not directing the band. Because mm. these cats were here badass. They were playing in the basement. They're playing in the bedroom. They're playing in the garage. They're playing Battle of the Bands. Mm. They were up at Burt's. They was in the underground, whatever, and just yeah, trying, to, trying to be the best. Killing the game. Yes, exactly. Well, we'll definitely let people know. If people want to get in contact with you, how do they reach out? You can reach me via uh, Instagram. If you're an Instagram person, it's Rhythm Alchemy. It's at Rhythm Alchemy. R-H-Y-T-H-M Alchemy is A-L-C-H-E-M-Y or you can email me directly at Rhythm Alchemy E-X-P like experience at gmail um, you can also i throw this in also I work with the uh, Organization of Black Designers which mm-hmm. is the oldest longest running black professional design organization out there been around over 20 years uh, our website is www.obd.org O-R-G My email there is Kier, K-E-I-R At obd.org And we are involved In Detroit very much So we did our 2010 conference here in Detroit But we are also design partners For the Detroit City of Design mm. Situation and the you know The whole UNESCO design month That they have coming up in September So you know, designers, artists, touch base, musical artists, managers, and so forth, touch base, and you know, let's see if we can try and put something together to really make a stake for Detroit, like Atlanta or Houston or Miami or Minneapolis, whoever. Well, notice Sterling's in the building anytime mm-hmm. I'm there. Virgil, as he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, Virgil. Virgil. New nickname, Virgil. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get the million dollar I gotta carry your briefcase too (laughs) (laughs) I need the million dollar belt That's what I need first Some fake hundreds to flash around (laughs) The tuxedo shirt Hilarious Dude um, wrestling in the cover mud and shit (laughs) (laughs) And a bow tie Oh my god So Um but I'm going I'm to get down with this, man. This is interesting. It's been floating around in my mind. I got a lot of resources, not just locally, but even nationally to yes, help artists. Yes. Uh, the number one apprehension I always have is so many artists, I feel like, don't uh, actually put the passion into this. And uh, as you see, what I'm doing with Detroit is different. I would love to uh, be a part of some projects. One of the projects will be what I'm working on with Sterling. And I've already even told <coughs> him, like, all the time, like, we're going to do some stuff. So you got to do it. I'm I mean, going uh, to be there coming up at this first one. Fantastic. And I plan on making sure that my calendar is set to always be in effect. I, I have a very, you know, me staunchingly independent <laughs> viewpoint of doing business. Right. And especially right. music business. And that's fine. And, and I'm, I'm so proud of what you've done with Detroit. Thank you. It's different. I mean, from... from the time you told me about it as an idea uh-huh. that you wanted to do to what you've achieved now here with the studio. I mean, bumping shit all the time. Yeah, yeah, all day. That's, <laughs> and, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, to, to actually, you know, create this podcast and the ancillary things that you've done around it, you know, beside being much needed, man, to see your brother actually actualize an idea is a wonderful thing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we're going to keep this in the mix. We're going we gonna, we gonna to build off of this. No doubt. Kira, no we're definitely going to get you back. And we can pick up with 
the nineties. <laughs> Anytime, man. That's crazy. Yeah, we just stayed in the eighties. Yeah, that's true. That's true. We had and we had we had to get to the part where, where Sterling flows into the mix in New York. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. Which was other I'm level. Still, I'm still jealous that Sterling was at like one of Biggie's first shows. Yes, we already in bullshit. You just talking about that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was a that was a historical moment. It really yeah. was. Uh, which which, sadly, I didn't even necessarily consider at the time, and and have forgotten in all the things. You know, sometimes when you. Been fortunate. I've been fortunate to do quite a bit in my career, uh-huh. and be in a number of different things. I literally forgotten. I'm like, I was there, wasn't I? <laughs> still, yeah. like, still yeah. like, remove the night, two part but sticky on stage for the party and bullshit. I'm like, yeah, Lord Finesse oh, looking yeah. for Lords <laughs> of the Underground. Uh, yeah, with his boys all over the building, and I was actually managing Finesse at the time. <laughs> it was like DMC in the crowd, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, Chuck Chuck D's Chuck D's across the street and the ride. Chuck D's across the street and the ride. Yeah, we uh. we, 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 we pull up <laughs> and Finesse is in front of the door. And he was like, I got boys all around this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> the kid's like, chill. He's like, nah, man. <laughs> oh, man. I was actually just watching a, um, In the World and just like old school oh man we, we could get rap <laughs> we gonna get this thing going i'm gonna get to new york relatively soon and take okay. this whole setup okay. there and we're gonna pick up with some more stuff because i haven't been to new york i've been to new york in a minute um, yeah true true and i breeze through as uh the project with Cortland and we gotta catch exactly. up exactly thank you so much detroit is different yeah appreciate it appreciate it